We are getting right into the Christmas season and uh, Advent season, the anticipation uh, of the coming of Jesus Christ uh, 2,000 years ago. And uh, I was thinking about Christmas and just Christmas growing up and, and things like that. And in my house, Christmas uh, time for me as a kid um, uh, was really kind of kicked off by the, the network's TV schedule. Uh, I knew Christmas was coming when we got to see uh, shows like Charlie Brown Christmas and The Grinch who uh, stole Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life and one of my favorites, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, yeah, shout out for Rudolph and, and all, of, all these things and these like vintage uh, TV shows and movies about Christmas. And I was thinking about those as I was just, um, uh, just sitting around as I do sometimes and, uh, and thinking about the messages in them because I never as a kid... You know, really, I just, I, I like the cartoons, right? And I like the TV shows. I like to watch TV. Oh, Mom, Dad, it's Christmas. I got to watch this, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So you got to watch a little more TV and, and all these kind of things. But I was thinking about it as an adult and really as a, as a pastor and thinking about some of the messages that were given through these, these vintage uh, TV shows. And... Then I was thinking about kind of our common value or values that people have today uh, in the 21st century and how we're so busy and, you know, Black Friday is like such a big deal. And I was trying to remember if Black Friday was such a big deal years ago or if that's kind of a, a newer thing that, you know, all the door buster, you know, deals and all these kind of things. And I'm like, oh, what are some of the the characteristics that would make up a vintage Christmas. Like, what, what are some of the nuts and bolts, the, the, the real core ideas that, that started this whole season uh, to begin with? And uh, I looked at these, te- these old Christmas programs and, and felt that a lot of them communicated these ideas. And Today I wanted to start off this this new series, Vintage Christmas, by looking back at a Grinch who stole Christmas. And I have a clip here just to warm us up if you don't remember. The Grinch had a problem. What was his problem? He Well, that that was maybe the cause, but uh, his problem was he hated Christmas. He hated the whole season. He hated how everybody rushed around and and buying presents and singing songs and all of these kinds of things. A lot of reasons that maybe you or I would maybe not like the Christmas season as well. Um, But, you know, there was, you know, the causes of these, you know, in the poem, they're saying, well, maybe it was that his shoes were too tight, which would make anybody grumpy, right? Or, or maybe his head was not screwed on right, and, uh, or maybe it was his heart was two sizes too small. And 
kind of like in the mind of Mark, you know, this is how it kind of works. You know, I, I look at the Grinch and then I'm like looking at the reason and then, it, you know, it's like, okay, his heart is uh, two sizes too small. Well, why is that? Well, why is his heart two sizes too small? And as I looked at the, the Grinch story and I thought, well, they should make a prequel, like why is the why did the Grinch turn green and lives up in a, in a mountain somewhere and has a, a dog that he abuses and all this kind of stuff? And, and I was going to go on a whole rabbit trail on that, but I scratched that. You should all thank me. And uh, we're going to just continue on the, on the path of, like, all right, why? Why? What, what, what happened to the Grinch's heart? And I, I think what happened was that he chose selfishness he chose having things the way that he wanted to have them and he put the value of that of things in his own space and not being bothered above being in relationship and community with others and i think the real reason that the grinch hated christmas so much is because it reminded him that he was alone that he, he wasn't affecting anyone else's life, that nobody was speaking into his life. And the songs and the present buying and, and the, uh, all of this stuff just reminded him how completely alone he was. Now, being the good pastor that I am, okay, not the good comedian, obviously, that I am, but the good pastor that I am. I, I was thinking about, about this and, and reading my Bible, and I, I came to a realization. Zacchaeus was the Grinch. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, remember him? That, that you know what, the parallels of this story, the problem that the Grinch had was also the problem that Zacchaeus had and, and I think that as we start out on this Christmas season, that we can look at the Grinch story and we can look at the parallels in Zacchaeus' story and maybe see some potential pitfalls maybe in our story that we can head off. And hopefully, my goal is to really re-grab onto this vintage idea, these vintage values of Christmas so we can experience one of the greatest Christmases of our lives. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And in, in the first century, the Roman Empire, well, they had an empire. And they were, they were ruling over everyone. And what the Roman Empire would do is when they conquered, their, conquered people, that they would heavily tax them and oppress them so that they could fund their war machine and their government and all this thing. But they were very sneaky. They, they had a good way of doing this because when you go in and you conquer somebody, you don't know who's what or who's who, right? You just, if you had somebody who was a Roman soldier coming in there and trying to collect taxes from you, that, that you know what, the possibility of you being able to trick them would be very high. So what they would do is that they would go to somebody in that community and they would, they would say, hey, you know what? You know all these people. You know, you know Bob and Frank down the street. And you know the butcher and all this kind of stuff. You know their families and you pretty much know their business. 
And this is what we want to do. We want to make you the official Roman tax collector. And we're going to put the whole power of the Roman Empire behind you to collect these taxes. And what you need to do is just go to the people who you are in community with, that you know, and you've probably been in their homes, and you've frequented their businesses and things like this, and we want you to go and collect taxes from them. And this is how much we want you to collect. And you know what? If you want to collect extra above and beyond for yourself, then that's okay. And, you know, we're not, gonna, we're not really going to get upset about that. So, you know, whatever. So the consequence was that at the Jews who decided to be tax collectors, that, that they were looked as traitors. That these were people who would exploit the, the fact that they were a people and that they would go to their friends and their neighbors and not only collect these oppressive taxes from them, but they would also steal or get extra taxes to fulfill their own need. Now, why would Zacchaeus do this? Quite simple. That he thought it was more valuable to have stuff and things and live a life of his own control than live in community and with friends and family and have them speak into his life and he have to speak into their life and just a normal relationship. He thought that it was more valuable to have money and things and to live in isolation instead of relationship. The same was true with the Grinch. That the Grinch had removed himself from community. That he didn't want to be part of it anymore and it came into a point of isolation. And the story continues that one day Jesus entered Jericho. Christmas came to town. What's Christmas? The the you know, Jesus coming to earth. Well, Christmas, Jesus had come to Jericho. And all these people were coming and they were gathering around, seeing, trying to see Jesus, celebrating Him coming to Jericho. With the Grinch that people were turned, the Who and Whoville, they were all celebrating this Christmas time that they were all singing about it and they were excited about it and there was lots of activity about it. But the Grinch and Zacchaeus were outside of community. They were outside of all of this activity and they were not invited in and it reminded them of their isolation. And they were angry and bitter because of it. Now, the interesting thing is, is Jesus came into town. When love came to town, when Christmas came to Jericho, and he's walking through the streets, and all these people were around him and talking to him and were excited about him being there. That Jesus was walking along. And he noticed that Zacchaeus, who had, who had climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus because he wasn't part of the culture, he wasn't part of the, of, of the community 
that he was removed up in a tree like the Grinch was removed up into this mountain. They were sitting there observing everything was going on, but he was not part of it. An amazing thing happened when Jesus came by. He stopped. And he looked up. He said, Zacchaeus. He called him by name, Zacchaeus. He had obviously heard about how bad this guy was. That his, his reputation, he was so notorious that even Jesus had heard about him. And he stops with everybody around him and he says, Hey, I want to come to your house today and have dinner. So they went and they had dinner and something amazing happened when Jesus came to town, when Christmas came to town, that, that Jesus reached out and He touched this life that had been so far off course that somewhere along the line He made the decision that things and stuff and isolation and being particular and wanting the life to be the way that He wanted And the best way to do that was outside of relationships. Somehow, he made a choice that led to this place of isolation that Jesus was saying, look, I want to offer you a way back. And later on, Jesus says, look, you know what? For those of you who have lost your way, that this is the reason that I came. That love of my Father, the generosity of my Father, this is the reason that I came to earth. So that I could come and seek and save the lost. And by this olive branch, by this this connection with the living God walking with them, that this reset of values that Zacchaeus was so overwhelmed that it says here in verse 8. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Look at this. What happened? I mean, nothing happened except one thing. He had a realization. And this realization was through the example of the who's. The who's valuing what over stuff? Each other. That realizing that that their relational connection with one another was more important than any presents or trees or or who beast and and, uh, all of this kind of different stuff. The same thing with Zacchaeus. That at one point in his life, he, he made decisions that set him off on a path that eventually ended him up isolated from his, his family and his friends and his community, isolated up in a tree. And then Christmas came to town. Christ came to town and gave him the opportunity to reestablish his relationship 
with not only God, but others. And the whose example of relationship and, the, and Christ's love and Him saying that He came for a day just as this, so that salvation would come to His home and that He could come and seek and save who those who were lost. That Jesus has the same message for you and I today. The, the same message of, you know what, it's not in life, is not what you can get. It's not how much money you can accumulate. It's not how much stuff. It's not how you can maneuver your life to have, have the least amount of, of just kind of adversity or interruptions. But having a true relationship with your Creator who loved you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come, not only to earth but to our Jerichos to Tallahassee to 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 intervene in our lives why to give us an opportunity to have a right relationship with God and also a right relationship with others it all came from the generosity of God and you think about the Grinch's heart being two sizes too small and that came from selfishness. And for Zacchaeus and for the Grinch, when did their heart explode? When did it grow three sizes too, or not too large, but grew three sizes? It's when they were expressing generosity, when they were tapping in to the very nature of God, that God is love, and love is sacrifice, and sacrifice is lived out by giving. And I think in order for us to experience Christmas in a new way this year, in, in hopefully a way that we have never truly experienced it before, maybe we need to take a harder look at this, this, this idea of generosity. This idea of giving and maybe spend a whole lot more time on our giving list than we do on our want to receive list. One of my favorite authors is Seth Godin. And he wrote this. He said, money is more than a transfer of value. It is a statement of belief. Let me read that again. Money is more than a transfer of value. It is a statement of belief. How we use our resources that God's entrusted us with, what we do with those things, if we is a statement of what we believe is the purpose of life. That the money that we invest that we expect to return. We believe that it will return more than what we put it in for. If we pay money for an item at a store, we're saying this is a statement of belief that we believe that this item is going to bring the value that it says it's going to bring. When we give as a church... In our church community, we're saying 
that, you know what, we believe that this church is reaching out in the name of Christ and, and making disciples of Him and to mature those of us who are here into fully devoted followers of Him and mobilizing us and to be the tangible hand of Christ. When we take a, a, one of the little Christmas trees off the little Christmas tree, uh, you know, for the, for the children, we, we buy those gifts for them. Why? In the name of Christ. Why? Because we believe that, that children should experience gifts. But we also believe that by doing that in the name of Christ, that maybe that will be a life raft, a, a opening to them of, and to communicate to them how much Jesus loves them. That we are being the tangible hand of Christ through that. Why, why do we provide meals? Why are we going out of our way to provide a Christmas meal for 63 of the families that we uh, deliver normal groceries to, to shut-ins and people who have had a lot of adversity in life in, in Frenchtown and things like that? We're doing that because we believe that our church can be a positive influence and that somehow that communicates to them that they're not alone in this world, that, that you know what? Not only do, is there people in this world, but there's people motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. That, that they are overflowing with His love and they are the conduit of His love and mercy to those who are hurting. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your hearts how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer. We can never forget that God is the one. He's the, he is the supplier of everything that we have and the bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest and generosity in you. You know, the amazing thing is those of us who God has blessed and if we're sitting in this room, God has blessed us. That, that, you know what? He's entrusted those resources to us to be a conduit, to invest those things, to tap into His very nature of generosity, to break the, the magnetic pull that selfishness has to break that cycle that the Grinch fell into and Zacchaeus fell into to say, you know what, if I could just have a little more stuff, if I could just maneuver my life in a certain way, then I'll truly be happy. And if that's at the expense of a relationship with my friends and my family and my God, then so be it. And that path leads to isolation and loneliness and death. In verse 11, Paul continues, says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. God is saying, look, 
I will bless you. Those of you who are generous, don't worry about it. I love you more than you love you. Look, I'm the one who came and sought you out. The only reason you even know about me is because I revealed myself to you, that I came. And you know what? I have filled you with these blessings. Not that you can be up in a mountain somewhere and be abusive to suit some little dog or sit in a little tree. No, that's not why. So you can be the conduit, the tangible hand of Christ to join together in community and as annoying as people can be and as hard as that can be, you know what? Those little things that are of annoyance, you'll find will be the biggest things that you cherish. It says, look, you will be enriched in every way, not just monetarily, but in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. And this is not just giving of money. This is giving of your heart and your time, of making space for people, giving them encouragement, all of these different things. Giving them uh, uh, your spot in line, giving them your parking spot. Yeah, no, 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 Pastor Mark, don't say that. You know, not the parking spot. I mean, nothing is wasted. Every little bit that we can bless others. This will happen. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met. And, there, and they will be joyful, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. You see, when you say, you know what? I can have a little less of a car or house or... or you know what, I, I don't need to do this necessarily. And you know what, I can, I can make a little space in my day for somebody else. When we sacrifice things, that, that, that short circuits that instinct in us to be Grinches, to be takers. And the most dangerous thing about that is that path ultimately leads to isolation and a wasted life. And it ultimately makes us miss what Christmas is all about. And that is that we have a giving God who loved us so much that he wanted to give us a second chance to reestablish that relationship. Verse 13, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. Paul is just leaving us with a word of encouragement. Just saying, be generous. Be 
givers. And if we do this, you know what? We may have to sacrifice things. You know, some people may not even ever know the sacrifices that you've made. But you know what we will experience is this overflowing joy of actually being able to truly be part of a community and truly be able to tap in and finally understand what true love is. And that is Jesus. You guys pray with me. Dear God, I just uh, know that so many of us are on this kind of weird path where giving, we give under obligation and we know that that's not from You. But then we kind of isolate and hold on to stuff and and kind of try to set up our lives that it just we don't really care about anybody else and we just want it to benefit ourselves but every so often we get a glimpse and an understanding that hey that's that's not from you either god i just pray that we can tap into your love into your generosity to experience this gift of christmas that you gave us that we can see ourselves truly is just blessed men and women and that you want us to be overflowing with your generosity and be the conduit of your love and mercy and grace to a lost and hurting world and i just pray that our church not as an organization but as the people come together who worship you will relentlessly pursue who you've called us to be. And that's ambassadors of you. In Jesus' name, amen.